categories. For our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Hello, hello. Yes, it's Pet Chat. We've got Charlie in. Hello. Good to be back. We've got Cheryl Shaw here and Dr. Kimberly Earl. Welcome, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. Another jam-packed day today. Of course, if you've got any concerns or questions about your pets, that number, put it in speed dial 49216216. We always love to hear from you. Now, Cheryl, we're talking tissues, tears and sorrow. That's right. Sad topic today, but agree for lost pets and it's something that people don't like to talk about but I think we need to discuss it. Linda's given us a call from Madawi. Now you've got a question about your three-year-old border collie. Yes, um, we've just adopted him and um, he hasn't had a lot of exposure to other dogs and people. He was in a very small yard um, and I'm finding him to be very timid very happy with my husband and myself and once he's back in our place but he's very timid with other dogs and other people and I guess there's an um, he's a little bit anxious and I would think that that's a separation issue that he's going through mm -hmm. okay and so um so you've had him for how long We've had him for just on one month. One month. Okay, so it's very new for you guys. So it's yes. pretty new for everybody. Yes. Um, so remember that dogs, the critical social socialization period is from 10 weeks to 16 weeks of age. And so if he wasn't exposed to things like other dogs, other people, different environments in that time, he will have missed out on a really big sort of section of learning for his brain. And that's not to say that he can't adapt. Um, but certainly we need to move very slowly and quietly and, and do everything in a way that's not going to increase his stress level. Mm -hmm. Border Collies are an anxious breed to begin with. So we certainly see um, fearful Border Collies, timid, ang uh, high anxious um, or high anxiety Border Collies quite regularly. Uh, so everything you want to do, you want to try to make it as positive an experience as possible and be watching for the signs that he's not coping with the new... Um, uh, environment or people and things so so never force him you know if you've got people coming over never force him to come up and introduce you know be introduced to them um, because that can actually make things worse so allow you know people coming into your home just allow him to be in his um, you know in his own space in his own yeah. safe area if he decides that he's confident enough that he wants to come or if he's bribable with treats then that's fine but certainly don't force him with getting him out and about so so for one you know just get him used to the local environment jury and get him used to your backyard and your front yard and your your blocks and just take things really really slowly so that he's not um, experiencing you know sort of an overwhelming stimulation and that might mean that you walk him down to the end of the block feeding him treats along the way so that there's a positive uh, reinforcement aspect there um, take him to the back end you know like take him to the end and then take him back home and then do that you may need to do that once a day for you know a week or two weeks even to till he gets to the point where he starts to um, get used to the the sounds and the smells and the sights of what he's seeing because it can take a long time for these guys if you feel he's not coping even with taking those really little steps um, then certainly speaking to your regular veterinarian, having him checked out, but maybe considering some um, pharmaceuticals, some anti-anxiety mm. medications, mm. because we do know, um, we say it every week, but we do know that um, high anxiety uh, levels will inhibit learning. And so um, sometimes that's just the thing that these guys, he might need six or 12 months of an anti-anxiety medication while you work on exposing him to new things and new people, um, you know, to, to get him over that hump. And then there are some dogs that are just going to be 
you know he's not ever going to adjust to it and and he he may not and so it's one of those things that um you know if he's friendly with you and he's happy with you everybody wants to have the dog that's happy to go out and be an outgoing you know member of of society but some dogs just aren't going to do it so give him some time because you've only had him for a very short period of time but um you know if you've tried all those things and you get you know six or eight months down the track and he's just not coping then we might need to work around that and just have him as a, a dog that can be comfortable in his own space okay thank you. all right then thank you so much for your help You're good welcome. luck linda thank you for the call four nine two one six two one six is our number if you've got a question for dr kimberly earl today we've got bob in newcastle west a staffy with a skin problem hi bob yeah, hi. Um, I've got a, a Staffy who's about four years old. Mm-hmm. I've had her since eight weeks. Yep. Like, um, I was fed in about getting jogging, no trips to Bali or Island cruises anymore. Um, she's had uh, a Staffy cross mm-hmm. and around her top lip yep. and um, bottom parts of her flues, She's always had a rash. Okay. A red rash when she gets excited. Yeah. Or when we go out for a walk or if she thinks she's going to get a treat, she rubs it till it bleeds. I've tried everything. Okay. So remedies. Yep. So it's on her lip, the top lip, is it? Uh, On her flues, on the outside, like underneath her nose and on the outside where her whiskers are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Out of her chin. Okay, so I mean, like, if she's a light colored staffy, is she a white staffy or have white around she's the brindle. face? Brindle. Okay. No, she's brindle. So I mean, it's an area that has less fur to begin with in a lot of cases, and a lot of staffies are very um, sort of ground snuffling, and they'll you know get into things. So she may be actually physically um, abrading it. You know, she may be rubbing it and and getting it sore that way. Oh, she is. And then. And, I know, I brouse on her. Yeah, yeah. And so is it? Is it um, like? Is it that she's chewing at her skin in other areas as well, no, or is it just no, no, no just around just, there? It's one of those anxiety things. I don't really have trouble with anxiety mm. with me dogs. There's yeah. no such thing as a bad one. If you spend a bit of time with them, you just sure. look at what they want. Okay. From there, what, what I would. What I would do is that, um, you know, if you've had her checked out by a vet, because um, they can get some infections around there, there can be some um, some skin infections that can come, and you may need to look at a medicated wipe to try to help with that. Really making sure that flea control is really, really important, because these guys, if they've got any fleas, they can, um, you know, be munching on them, scratching themselves, and they can actually abrade the fur around the muzzle from that. Um, and having a look to see if there's anything in the backyard that she's particularly getting at, chewing at, or anything like that, that might be causing some issues um, on the skin there and trying to sort of remove that from her access if possible. It's a bit of a tricky one. Well, yeah, um, I live in a unit, but I walk them pretty much every day. I've got another one that I took on as a rescue and he tumbles in everything and give him a bath and he comes up sparkling and he can eat anything. Yeah. um, my little girl is... She's a bit of a trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely have her, have her checked out by your vet. Allergic skin disease is also very common in Staffy, so she may be having a little bit more of a, um, a longer-term problem happening there. Well, good luck, Bob. He's a great pet owner. Look, he stopped his trips to Bali everywhere. Obviously, he's got to stay home now with the... <laughs> stay with, with the, the Staffy. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking pet chat. 49216216. Would love to hear from you. Lynn, you've got um, a pet that's passed away. That's 
right. Um, back in March, I lost my dear little dog, um, 10 days short of being 18. Oh, wow. that's impressive. Um, and, uh, well, we were, for the last six months, we six months prior to that we were expecting her to um she was on her last legs but yeah. she was not in pain or anything like that so when we lost her it came a lot easier than if it was sudden yeah, sure. and um our our vet was extremely nice um they sent us a sympathy card the, the Dungog vet sent the sympathy card and we've buried Sam in the backyard and we've planted a native tree on top of her. Oh, that, that'll be a lovely. nice way to remember her, won't it? And sometimes it's nice just to tell your story when you need to grieve, but that's something we, we were going to look at today, yes, Cheryl, if, if we get a chance. Yeah, 49216216. We are talking pet chat. We're loving your calls today. We've got Paul now from New Castle. Now, Paul, you're having some trouble house training your pooch. Yes, I have. I just we just bought it about oh, about four weeks ago. Yeah, what kind and of dog? It's crossed with a bull. What's a bull collie dog? A bull collie dog and a coolie. Okay. Coolie. Sure. Okay. And Wonderful little pup, and that very, very timid, very close to me. She thinks I'm my mother, and she finds me like a lost little lamb. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we're, we're trying to house train. I know it's too cold to go at night time because it's too dark. Being so small, I'm scared of some hawk or something like that, or an owl figures a big rat, and they might pick it up and take it away on me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And so how old is she, he or she? Uh, nine weeks. Nine know? weeks, nine yeah, weeks. okay. Yeah, nine so weeks old. Pretty, pretty early on in the, in the piece then. Um, have you got her sleeping inside in a, in a small crate or room or yeah. bed? Or? Yeah, yeah. we've got her in the laundry with her own little bed. Yeah, good. And then, and then she learned, when I say bed now, I point my finger when I rouse at her, she knows what she I've done. She goes straight to that bed and lay okay. in it. Good, okay. So what we want to do with puppies, I mean, the ideal situation is that we um, try to make sure that they're not having accidents in, house so that, in the house so that they're not practising um, inadvertently practicing what we don't want them to do. So things like making sure that we're taking her out before you go to bed quite late. A, a pup who's nine weeks will probably struggle to make it all the way through the night. But in some cases, from 10 or 11 weeks, we should be able to make it, um, you know, from about probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night all the way through to maybe 5.30 in the morning. And so I would always encourage you to, to get her outside to the toilet um, before you head off to bed be outside with her for sure um, my favourite thing to do is to give dogs a command word so everybody in the house needs to decide on the same word find a word that's going to be the command for toileting and you might just go outside and say you know, do your business or, or do we um, and then once you take her outside you stay with her, you repeat that word over and over and over again until she does it, she won't know what it is initially um, but slowly once she's then gone to the toilet, lots and lots of praise good dog, good wee, whatever she's done um, yeah. and she'll learn to associate that word with you know what she's done doing her business 
And then bring oh, her back like in, that. okay? Now, yep. that's going to take a few weeks. I mean, any pup is going to take, you know, a good sort of three to five weeks before before house training is really um, is going really well. Um, right. But the things that you can do to help, so dogs do want to be quite clean. They're, it's their instinctive behavior is to be clean. They don't want to soil where they go um, to sleep or where they're eating. So keeping yep. her in a relatively small space so that she doesn't have the option to sort of go in and wee far away from where she's going to sleep um, will actually give her some incentive to hang on to it and this is why crate training works really well because it helps them to learn gives them a reason to hang on to their bodily functions okay Um, also making sure that she doesn't necessarily have food and water available all the time now water we usually say through the day absolutely we want to have it available but she doesn't need in the middle of winter she doesn't need to be drinking through the night so I wouldn't necessarily leave water with them through the night um, provided you know she's had a drink in the evening Um, and that way she's not consistently you know bringing things in that's going to need to be processed and and come out so and knowing that dogs will toilet um usually first thing when they wake up so getting them up as soon as they're awake get them outside before you do any playing or greeting or anything like that get them outside give her a command word make sure that you give her enough time to go because they're very easily distracted at that age so give her enough time to actually you know sort of do it bring her back in feed her and then straight back out to the toilet because the act of eating will actually get the bowels and things moving and even if she's just done it 10 minutes prior she'll need to go again um and you know keeping in mind that when she's in the house playing um probably every 30 minutes to 40 minutes she needs to go back outside to the toilet because she won't be able to hold it or she won't have an incentive to hold it longer than about that time. Wow, so there's lots of things that lots Paul can do. Can do yep. And because she's a young pup, she's obviously, long, as well, yeah. she's in that prime to learn. As they get older, things start to you know work out. They hang on to things longer. But we do sometimes need to give them an incentive to hold on to it. Positive reinforcement. Absolutely. <laughs> 49216216. We're taking your calls for Pet Chat today. We're going to have a quick look at the coastal weather, then taking more of your calls and and Dean, we will look at you and apparently your dog's off the walls. Or <laughs> eating things off the walls anyway. Oh. Dean in Thornton, what's going on with your dog? Hi, how are you? We're good, thanks. That's good. Um, look, I'm just having some problems uh, with my with my Labrador. Um, what he's doing is around the, I guess, the weatherboards on the house, on the outside of the house, yeah. uh, he's chewing the board, but then, like, eating the house paint... <laughs> Um, wow. so kind Uh-oh. Of, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just like really lost as to what to do with him. Um, it's called you know, renovating. To... Yeah, is it? Yeah. I... Do you yeah. think it's that he's chewing? I mean, Labradors do like to chew. They can be quite destructive. Do you think it's just that he's liking the 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 wood and and the boards and chewing on that, or is he specifically leaving the wood and just eating the paint? Well, yeah, it seems to be like um, I don't know if it's the, just the wood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I give him bones. Um, I've tried the the like no more chew spray yep. and things like that. And it's mainly of a night time um, that he he is doing these things. Okay. Um, so it's at a point now where I actually put a muzzle on him of a night because I don't mm-hmm. want him to eat the yeah. the paint. You know, because yeah, uh, okay. I worry about what that's doing inside of him. Um, yeah. So I'm at a bit of a, a loss, you know, as to how, how to how proceed to with it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to suggest something like a, um, a bitter spray, um, but if you've already tried that, that's a, it's a bit of an interesting one. I guess you'd have to be wondering if there's something else there. If it's only in one area of the house, whether there's um, something there that, that's been there that tastes good, that's attracting him. Um, certainly eating paint, particularly if it's an older house and it may be lead-based paint, that would be a concern for lead poisoning for him. So it's something we probably want to be careful with. 
Um, it's a real hard one. I mean, I guess trying to you know avoid him having access to that if possible. But if it's the entire surface of the house, that's going to be really tricky. Um, I would say we need to be really careful about keeping a muzzle on him. Is it a cage muzzle you have, or is it one of the nylon um, sort of right around the the face muzzles? It's just like a nylon kind of over. Yes, yeah, so um, really... it's not it's not overly tight um, okay. of a night because he can still get like water and okay. things. I've seen him All drink right. out yeah. of it. So it's not overly tight. It's just enough so he can't open his mouth no. to actually get onto the bottom of the board and start chewing it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just be really careful, particularly as the weather gets warmer if he's still needing to wear it because he won't be able to pant and that makes him really prone to having um, heat stroke and things. So sometimes a cage muzzle where there's an actual plastic or, or metal yeah. cage in front of them so they can still open the mouth, they just can't get their teeth or, or tongue mm -hmm. through it is a better idea. Um, okay. it, I, I'm not really sure how to advise you on that. It's certainly not a normal behavior. Is that the only area, like the only thing that he's doing, showing destructive behaviors with, I guess? Yeah, um, it's kind of that. Like he, he moved from, I guess, the house to his kennel mm -hmm. uh, and then started chewing all the inside of the kennel, which is now completely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've moved to, I guess, um, like, you know, the Kong toys and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, I put the food in there for when we go out and, Good. you know, yeah. things like that. But it's just it's just that destructive period, yeah. I guess, where How there is no one. He's, only, he's probably going on about one okay. now. Um, you know, it, and it's kind of eased off a smidge, okay. um, you know, and, and things like that. But he goes to my parents' place uh, when I go to work. Um, two days of the week and my wife she has Thursday Friday off so he's really only at home yeah. what kind of one full day a week um, by himself and and that is the day that I that he gets that a bone to keep yeah. him occupied okay. um, yeah, yeah and like he, he he kind of moved from originally he was chewing like we you know those uh, I guess the plastic kind of cane style wicker chairs yes yeah yep. uh, he, he, he chewed that to shreds so that yeah. got kind of moved and then he moved on to the house and I'm yeah. like like, well, I don't know if it's just a teething it, thing it, going it's on. It's probably the fact that he's a young dog. Um, he may not be getting enough exercise. I would really look in a young Labrador like that, look at how much exercise he's getting and whether or not you can get him out um, a bit more. It might be that he needs a couple walks a day and, and if he's good enough, um, even some off-leash running time, you know, see if you can get him interested in chasing a ball or, or doing some off-leash running. Um, and then the stuff you're doing with the feeding, the feeding uh, toys, cons and things like that is really good. Um, it, it's a bit of a hard run. Hopefully he outgrows it as he gets a bit older and a bit more sensible. Good luck with that, Dean. Yeah, it sounds like it's a really difficult one. Yeah, chewing a house is weird. Yeah. <laughs> 49216216. We're taking your calls today for Pet Chat. Hello, Carmen. How can Dr. Kimberly Earl help you? Well, I'm not too sure here. Um... Our, our dog yep. is 10, he's a little bit of a porker, okay. a little bit of a bitzer, so there's no worries there, nothing's wrong with him. Okay. He eats every vegetable known to man, okay. and I mean every bit. We're talking sprouts, uh, we're talking cauliflower, every vegetable, yep. every night he has it. <laughs> In the meantime, my friend heard, or she thinks she heard, uh, that there are some vegetables they should not eat. Is this true? Um... Oh, yeah, I mean, there's a few things that we, we try to avoid feeding them. So anything um, that's in the allium family, which is garlic, onions, those sorts of things, leeks, we would try to avoid having him eating um, eating those. They can cause a, a hemolytic anemia, so it can help break down the blood cells, the red blood cells in the body, and they can have a hard time um, carrying oxygen. Um, 
It's not specifically a vegetable, but I'm sure most people are aware of grape and raisin toxicity these days. We want to make sure we're not feeding any of those. Vegetables, for the most part, though, are pretty okay. So, I mean, I've got a golden retriever. She'll just just about eat anything other than raw mushrooms. But <laughs> she loves carrot, broccoli. She loves yeah. celery leaves, bok choy. Yeah, we're talking, I mean, we are yeah. talking everything, even yeah. sprouts, for yeah. God's sake. No, that's <laughs> fine. You know, I think um, the nice thing about vegetables is they're usually pretty low calorie. You may find that if she's eating a lot of them, that she's getting a bit gassy, particularly if she's eating a lot of broccoli. No, and he's, he's getting he's porky, sorry. but he's not getting gassy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, the porkiness is probably unlikely to be related to the vegetables, unless it's a lot of things like potato and, and things like that, you know. The, the things, starchy food. The starchy <laughs> ones. So if they're, if so, they're starchy... So wait a minute, I'll just get this right. Apart from onion, which I'd never give him anyway, yep. uh, garlic, which I, I, I very rarely eat myself, yep. um... What, no what avocados. The other no, no avocados. Yeah, avocados aren't actually. No, that I'm not a great dog, one for so. that either. Yeah, and, um, and the raw ra- mushrooms, obviously, and the, the raisins and grapes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, mushrooms, mushrooms. If they're human safe, that they're okay for dogs. That's not going to be a problem. Well, um, actually, I wouldn't waste have, mushrooms on my you dog. Wouldn't I've got to be honest, that's fair yeah, but yeah, for the most part, there <laughs> should be no trouble. Though? I love the dog. Yeah, there should be no trouble with just eating your regular run-of-the-mill vegetables. Shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> okay, they're too. They're not even bald within an inch of their life. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for your help. No worries. Well, a lot of doctors would be saying, I wish my uh, human patients, patients would, would take a leaf yeah. out of that book. We are talking pet chat today and getting a, a wide variety of calls. We're getting a lot of calls. We are. 49216216 is the number. Now, we've got Jeff in North Rothbury. Hello, Jeff. You're trying to do a job that I don't envy you. It's a tough <laughs> one. Oh, my God. You want to be around when we're trying to do it. <laughs> well, well, tell us what you're trying to do, firstly. <laughs> I've got all the listeners. <laughs> anyway, um, we can't cut his nails for the life of us. He, um, he just squeals and the neighbours think we're killing him. <laughs> oh, my God. Is there any technique, instead of, like, we can take him to the vet and then they um, put him under sedation, then... Cheryl could probably sort you out. We often don't need to sedate them. So, listen, it's really common for dogs to dislike having their nails trimmed, Um, some dogs more than others. Uh, I think there's something about the sound of it, the feel of it, and certainly if if his nails have ever been trimmed to the point where they bleed, that means that somebody's also cut the quick, which is the nerve, and that's really painful for them. So if you can imagine tearing your nails. So they can develop a very um, strong aversion to having it done. But even dogs who have never had their nails cut too short, quite often don't like it. They don't like having their feet restrained. They don't like having the feel of the clippers and things like that. What we often yeah. find is that just getting somebody who's not the owner or parent to do it can sometimes make a real difference. And my dog's a perfect example of this. I'm a vet. I've been trimming nails for years and years and years. My dog hates it when I do her nails. But if I bring her into yeah. my vet hospital and get one of my nurses to do it, she sits there almost like a perfect princess. So sometimes oh. just having a different person doing it, certainly having yeah. your vet do it where you know the nurses have a good idea of how to restrain them firmly without yeah, sedating yeah. them is often worthwhile. Um, you know, yeah. quite often, once they once they feel that somebody's holding them firmly without, you know, sort of hurting them, um, they'll yeah. often sort of just relax and let you do it. We do certainly okay, have... Sorry. I was going to say, we do certainly have some dogs that we have to do under anesthesia because they're just, it's so stressful for them. Um, they freak out. They never get to that point of relaxation. And, and we certainly yeah. you know, do see that occasionally. But more or less, we can get most of them done pretty well. Um, yeah. Has he ever had a traumatizing experience that you're aware of? No, not really. No. I even had him to a vet just for a checkup. And we thought, oh, while we're there, we'll 
get him to clip his nails. So they took him out the back and they had to bring him straight back out. He was screaming the place down. Oh. And he actually feasted on the on the table. Right, okay. So he's pretty stressed yeah. by it then, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, you know, yeah. he may be he may be one that if they're if they're severe enough that some sedation may be worthwhile. Um, you could speak right. to your vet about trying a bit of a mild short-term anti-anxiety medication, some diazepam or something might, um, that if you were to administer it at home and then bring him to the vet, they may be able to do it there. We have occasionally done that. Um, oh, okay. You know, that, that can be helped. I mean, some people have managed to do it while the dog is sleeping, get one nail at a time and, um, you <laughs> You know, if they wake up, you know, just while he's sleeping, get a foot and try that. Um, I've still got the bite mark. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, don't get bit. That's not what we want. So, yeah. It sounds like it might be one for the vets, to it's be honest. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it is. So four nine two one six two one six. if you've got any questions for Pet Chat. Now, earlier we had a call from Dean. So, Dean in Thornton, I hope you're still listening. He said that his dog eats house paint. Now, I don't know your take on this, Kimberly, but Al from Taralba um, has phoned in and said to rub the area the dog is chewing with chili. Yeah, you could certainly try that. I mean, it's a taste deterrent, but there are Labradors who are very persistent and it won't matter. And the, the um, spray that he's used in the past that was that was a taste deterrent or, or you know, a stop lick type thing, thing most dogs find those pretty, um, pretty vile. And so if he's chewing past that, then it may not be useful for him. But it's not, not a bad thing to try. Worth a shot, I guess. Just depends on if he has to, like, paint the whole bottom of his house with um, chili or not, because it's <laughs> kind of not really that useful. If it's just one section, it's maybe okay. But if he's working his around the whole house then that could get know. quite expensive yeah. too unless you could grow your own chili chili yeah uh, Janice in Wall's End our pets are doing unusual things today what's your dash hound doing um it's um licking the floor all the time okay just in a particular area or all the time or all, uh, all over wherever wherever the um wherever she is she just licks the floor she's um she's got a pet lab with her as well and yeah. she's um three and a half years old but um the dash hand just flicks the floor all the time. And so this is uh, like she's lying on, lying down, just relaxed, but she's licking at the floor in front of her, or...? I know, she goes around washing the floor with her tongue. With her tongue. Okay, interesting. <laughs> she's very hungry or something. And I did it no, no, she's very well fed. Yeah. Um, and she eats fresh meat and okay. um, things like that, but we just didn't know if she was lacking in some, something in a diet. Well, it's it's unlikely if she's eating a good quality dog food. But if, she, if she's eating a lot of just fresh meat, it, like are you doing a raw diet for her or a, like a um, a balanced yeah, she diet? Yes, a, a bit of everything. Yeah, okay. She and has, just um, chicken as well as um, raw, as well as um, I think she has kangaroo meat. Okay. And um, she also has um, the dry dog food. And she does have some dry dog food, so she's she's yeah, getting she a, a decent amount of that, is she? Yeah, yeah. She is. yeah, I mean, it might just be that she's, you know, got a really keen sense of smell and there's some things on the floor that she's really enjoying. Um, you know, dogs will often lick at things if there's been something there in the past and it may not be, even though you've, you know, washed the floor or cleaned it, whatever, it may still be that um, she's getting some um, pheromone sense from it, things like that, and that's causing her to lick at it. Um, we know that licking can be sort of like a, an OCD-type symptom in some dogs, but usually it's they're licking themselves or licking a particular area, uh, but you couldn't, you couldn't rule it out as being an issue, you know, that she's just got this sort of constant floor licking. Um, does she lick anything else? Is she licking at herself or the other dog or anything along those lines? The other dog licks her. Yeah. Mm. But she just... Just licks the No matter floor. where it is, even where there's no food is, she just, yeah. wherever she is, on any part of the floor, she licks... And is it she licks. carpet floor or, or floorboards? No, it's, or? A, 
Yeah, floorboards. Floorboards. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it may be that there's something in the um, you know in the wood or the or the varnish polish that's coming up that's that's a bit. Um, uh, you know, they sometimes can seep a little bit of, of stuff. So maybe there's something that's coming up through there that's a bit sweet or something for her that's enticing her to lick at it. It's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah, well, um, she's about two year old too, so she's not a young puppy. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky one. I think as long as the floor is relatively clean and there's no sort of chemicals coming up through there, hopefully it won't be a problem. Um, but maybe some signs, if she's a bit of an older dog, maybe some signs of some early onset dementia happening as well and that she's just become right. a bit obsessive <laughs> about it. It's hard to know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you very okay. much for that. Good no luck, Janice. So that's something that Janice can get tested for. Um, um, well, not it's not really. really any testing for it, but certainly, you know, based on clinical history and things like that, we can often sort of determine that a dog is starting to show some signs of cognitive decline or dementia type things. And um, there are some things that can be done for them. Often it revolves around controlling anxiety. Uh, and some dogs will have displaced behavior. So it might be that she's licking the floor as a coping mechanism for other things going on in her world. Um, but it can be tricky to sort of elucidate some of those without seeing the dog in action in her in her natural environment. But maybe popping into her local with the dog and showing a video of what she's doing and, oh, and that's a good idea you know by, uh, technology these days is fantastic people bring me home videos all the time because it's you know typical for a dog to been doing something at home they've been doing it for three days and you get them to the vet and they don't do it at all and the owner says but yeah. i've got it here on video so you can see i'm not lying and i never think they're lying but it's nice to sometimes see the action that the dog is actually doing so hmm. that might be helpful for her and see if there's some something we can work out for it now cheryl we're having a look at uh tears tissues and so so it's it's the loss of our pets and it can be very hard to grieve sometimes it can and it really is it well it's actually an inevitable part of owning a pet we all know that our pets aren't going to last forever but it doesn't make it any easier when they do pass um when we own a pet it really does enrich our lives and that bond we share is really devastatingly broken you know our hearts break when we lose our dog Sometimes the life expectancy doesn't always go um, as long as you would like. Some dogs don't live to be an old age like our caller earlier who had a dog for a long time. There can be, of course, accidents and um, disease is um, another thing that will often take our dogs from us. It's extremely difficult to say goodbye, no matter what the age, and to come to terms with the mortality of the pet that has shared your life and been part of your family. Often our hearts are broken when we experience this intense grief. The emotional journey for each person is really individual. The grief process can take on many different forms, from crying right through to depression. Grieving is not an emotional weakness, and we've got to remember that. And we've got to remember that it's okay to cry, because for some people, they try to bottle it up and they don't let their feelings come through. So crying is okay, and that's particularly important for men. For those blokes who lose their best mate, that's a really important issue mm-hmm. for them to be able to cry. And Cheryl, just to interject there, I think yep. um, not only crying, but a lot of people think, oh, I shouldn't be crying because it was just a pet. Yeah. There is a bit of stigma where it's like, oh, really? It was just your pet? But th- the emotion is just as real as, as any sort of loss. That's right. And I often think the people who say that haven't actually shared that love of a dog or a pet that um, that you have. And they've missed out on that companionship and that, that share of emotions and compassion. So I, I think that those people who say that are a little bit toxic and it's best to just not discuss the loss and to grieve in your own way. Mm. Because, yeah, you're quite right. They do say, I'll oh, get over it. It's just a pet. But it's, it's really not. It's part of your family. And we were talking earlier and um, Kimberly was saying too about, you know, families are often having, um, or people are often having families later in life. And um, these 
fur babies really do become our... Take their, take yeah, their place take for their, their surrogate place. children. And when Absolutely. you're talking about 13-plus mm. years with them, that's, yeah. a bo- like, that's, that's a big part of a lifetime, yeah. isn't it? And we do spending. plan things around them. You know, we plan our holidays, we plan how they're going to be cared for, and we share just, you know, moments on the lounge, whatever it may be. There's, there's just so much that um, when we lose a pet... Um, that we we lose in our life Um, but it is important to remember that there are five stages of grief and it doesn't mean you have to go through them all there's everything from denial anger the depression bargaining acceptance but some people will grieve differently but take time to grieve don't sort of think that oh you know you just got to get over it it's it's okay grief is highly individual it's variable and illogical and no two people are going to grieve the same so your family members will all feel it very differently you just need to make sure that you, um, that, that, that you take time, you look after yourself when you're going through this grieving process and remember the wonderful times you've shared together. And as time goes by, you'll be able to heal and remember and reflect on those nice things. And Cheryl, I was just going to mention we've, we've had a call come through. A, a possibility as well is getting some artwork done of, of your pet. That could be a way as well if you've had a special photo that you would want, yes. you know, done like that if that's what you need to do. I don't know. There's yeah. different options out there, but you think you do just need time to heal. Mm. I always plant a, a plant. I look oh, for whatever idea. is flowering at the time and I plant that. So, you know, I've lost three dogs this year. And we're feeling for you, Cheryl. Yeah. That's and lot. it's really nice to be able to go and just look in the garden and go, oh, that's, you know, that's remembrance. Ladies, thank you both for coming in. One last question, just very briefly, yes or no, Cheryl. For some people that want to go out and get another pet straight away, good or bad idea or is it different for everyone? Well, it's different for everybody, but it's not replacing that pet. It's getting another pet. You should share your life with a pet. It makes you a lot healthier. Absolutely. You live longer. (laughs) That's true. Thank you both for coming in. Cheryl Shaw, Kimberly Earle. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.